Attention, please. Eastern Airlines Flight 19, now ready for departure. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the vacation kingdom of the world. There's enough land here to hold all of the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. We call it Epcot. Will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was, and the way it is in your memories. All right, welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast, the official podcast of the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society. This is episode 60, where we'll be taking you back to the new Tomorrowland of 1994 into 1995. So lots to explore and lots to talk about. I'm your host, Todd McCartney, and sitting in with me as always this evening as we record, coming into Ohio, getting ready to go back to school in some fashion or not, maybe hybrid, remote, some level of learning, not many kids on the buses at once, is Mr. J.T. Couser. How are you doing tonight, J.T.? I am great. My head's just spinning, but I'm excited to, to take it back to That's when right. I was in seventh grade in my trip to New Tomorrowland. There we go. There we go. See, we do social distancing on this podcast by default, too, since we're all over the place. We're never going to share anything with See each other. See you guys unless we... every two years. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we only we, share germs. We planned then. the last event around COVID, you know, so yeah. we're fine. See, we there knew we it was coming. We had retro magic. and Yeah. So coming in tonight from Tampa, Mr. Hal Bowers with the Atari t-shirt. Well done, sir. Looks great. Aloha. Good evening. How's Welcome. it going tonight? Good. It's nice here. It's hot. Yeah, you're uh, buckled down for the winter season, or the summer winter season, as we call it, right? Yeah, this winter. Swinter. We like to call it swinter. I like that. Yeah. um, No, it's actually, evenings are still a little cool. Uh, Daytimes are horrific, but, you know. (laughs) Do you still see the dolphins in your backyard? I Actually, we had one yesterday. What do you do? Do you just let them go, or can you, like, get them to come over? (laughs) Hal has his own Living Seas deep uh, experimental crane you... Do you have the dolphin keyboard in your yeah, backyard? Yeah, we have the keyboard. We bring out the keyboard and now, see if we can get them to I'm type I'm just wondering, do the people us. like you, do you do anything special to attract them? Like, I can do things to attract hummingbirds around here. and uh, Usually I try to dress sexy. <laughs> so you can follow How and his dolphin at Go Away Dolphin. So. Yeah. <laughs> come no, closer, just, dolphin. Come, yeah. <laughs> so I think what the deal is, they just, uh, they, uh, they follow the fish. So mm. they, they come in, there's fish that come in through our canal and out. And but so what's great they're, is they're that you, you live, food. I've been there, and you, you, you live on a dead end of, well, well, if you were boating, it's a dead end. So these fish yeah. are not, I mean, they just follow each other. Uh-oh, dead end. And then these right. dolphins just come in and fish have a, in a barrel. Yeah. Yep, they got to come to the end and turn around. So, yeah. We, they turn might around wanna, into the mouth of the dolphin. You might want to put a sign up, like no outlet or a dead end or something for the <laughs> fish. The further on down. All right. <clears throat> Brian is, is laughing. I can see him. He wants to get involved in this uh, fish story here. But uh, Mr. Brian P. Miles from Philadelphia. How are you doing tonight, Brian? Galactic greetings. Oh. Good oh, look at theme that. tonight. I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm interstellar tonight. Uh, <laughs> we're going to page Tom Morrow at some point, too, I believe, during this <laughs> yes, show. We, yes, we will. <laughs> you know, Todd, I realize when we do this, we never get to ask you 
how are things in New Hampshire? <laughs> That's true. They have been hot, and we are in a moderate drought up here. So whoa, uh, that uh, tropical storm that laid down all that water up the East Coast, we got 45 minutes of a gentle sprinkle some from wind, and that was it. But uh, I went to the beach today, actually. We went to uh, State Park and did a little, uh, little looking for sea glass and metal detecting and um, found nothing but broken lobster trap parts. Mm-hmm. So. so what you're saying is you can't take those cool New Hampshire breezes for granite. Ah, we are the granite Because it's the granite state. Yeah. Yeah. Well, done. well done. All right, I'm done with the puns. Good night, everybody. Brian will be here all week, though. All right, well, let's move on uh, to corrections and comments. I think the overall comment is that last month we had a tremendous amount of feedback on our ephemera episode. Um, not only did that, we, we also did a, um, a movie night where we showed some ephemera, but the amount of things that everybody sent in, I have a couple hundred different photos and things that you sent to us that I've uploaded to our server that have to be tagged and everything. But, oh, my goodness, uh, you know, you don't realize how much ephemera is out there and um, some really neat stuff that, that everybody has sent in. So um, thank you for sending it in. Thank you for you know, some of these people just sat there and scanned look, what looked like their entire dresser drawer or something um, and sent it into us. So really appreciate your time and effort in doing that. It was a, great to see what you guys had. And a lot of people had stuff scanned in that we hadn't gotten to yet on our side. So that was really great to see. A, cor- a correction slash comment from our, from our good friend, bio reconstruct. Mm-hmm who uh, we've been talking back and forth a little bit about the touchscreens. Hang on, I'm going to turn down my volume because I seem to be very loud right now. You don't wake everybody up. The wrong way. There. That's probably a little bit better. So we were talking about the touchscreen, you know, the quote-unquote touchscreens that actually use the little infrared beams and how, you know, that we were talking about how that technology is kind of defunct, but we... You know, we discovered that it's still in use at the Haunted Mansion in some of the outdoor gags was as you're waiting to go in. And then uh, he realized that Imageworks, there's a sort of a lead the orchestra uh, yes. thing. And it still yeah. uses it still uses that technology. And he happened to be on Amazon shopping for some uh, for some monitors. And he discovered there's actually a, uh, a thing that you could add on to a 43 inch monitor that today that you can buy at amazon that like has that functionality to it so it is not completely dead wow that's and, pretty pretty cool pretty and cool. perhaps with with covid a non-touch touch screen could be an important thing to have again so just if and if you do touch it we'll just add a little bit like a chicken wire will like zap you right so yeah. that you just you know, Fry any like, it, like it, like the dog fences. The exactly, yeah. Fences for mm-hmm. Touch, <laughs> almost touch, but don't. It's a new museum too. It's the almost touch museum. So the touchless touch museum. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. We also had a voicemail come in. I'm going to let Joe tell this story himself, and then we'll discuss it. So he left a voicemail on our nine seven eight seventy one retro phone number, and uh, let's hear what Joe had to say about Disney dollars. Hi, this is Joe from Orlando, Florida, and I just got finished listening to your ephemera episode, and I want to give you guys another story regarding the Disney dollars. Uh, after they were introduced, when you rented a stroller in the Disney parks and returned it at the end of the day, you were given like a little tab, a little voucher, and when you turned in the stroller, they gave you a Disney dollar as kind of like a receipt. Now, the main reason for this was so that people didn't leave their strollers all throughout their park. They'd be enticed to bring them back to the front of the park to return them so that they got a dollar back. Now, I worked at Stroller Rental in 2000 in one of the parks, 
uh, and I can tell you about uh, – now, you were given a choice to have a regular dollar back or a Disney dollar. Um, and from working there, I can tell you about 80% of the people took the Disney dollar instead of the regular dollar. So this was a great way for Disney to keep more of people's uh, regular money. And it was very effective. And I believe it was around from the time that the Disney dollar was introduced. Um, I don't know if they still do it nowadays. Anyway, great job on the show, guys. I can't wait to hear the next episode. Bye. Thank you, for Joe. And, and you have uh, jogged my memory on that. I do remember my, my sisters were young at the time, and uh, we did get the Disney dollars back after renting the strollers. Uh, you could I believe you could ask for a regular dollar if you really wanted to, but uh, excuse uh, me, it was kind I of it. But it was that's a great great way to give a souvenir out and make an extra buck, right? Because most people are like, oh, came for a day and I got this Disney dollar, I'm going to put it away because it, it'll be a collector's item someday. So, and it is based on what people are attempting to charge for them on eBay. <laughs> Did you see the fifty dollar one? Oh 50 yeah, for one? You know. no, 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 it's a fifty dollar. Disney dollar. They were very rare, but the, yeah. the gentleman or, or, or individual wants five hundred dollars, I believe, for oh. it or something absolutely outrageous. So, but uh, so thanks for that, Joe. Appreciate that. Um, there was another one that uh, somebody t- mentioned. We were talking about turnstiles. How remember we saying how the people mover was the only turnstile left, uh, and it was the Carousel Progress was, was the one that oh. still has one. Also has that. the physical like movie theater turnstile. Yep. Yeah. And Joe Barlow wrote in. This was pretty funny. He says, I was very mischievous, 11-year-old in 1981. I would, from time to time, lock the turnstile after going through. There was a small knob <laughs> just under the turnstile at, that, at thigh level I would turn to lock. I don't remember doing the entrance, but definitely the exit ones and for sure many rides. The funniest one I remember doing was the turnstile at the Contemporary in the fourth floor to get on the monorail. So if anybody out there was stuck at locked turnstiles <laughs> in the early 80s, I am sorry. So yeah, I was gonna say now, Joe. I have walked into turnstiles that haven't moved, and <sighs> that is not pleasant for someone who is six foot two inches tall. So <laughs> it's not only so not thank you very pleasant. much. It's very embarrassing because like the people behind you start to bump into everybody. Exactly. It's like a four car pile up. Yeah, it's, so, it's there. You go. It's a tragic scene, but we did track it down. So thank you, Joe. Appreciate that. So JT, I'm gonna pass it over to you for a listener mail. So here we go with Lister Mail. Got a few of them. Uh, you just mentioned the turnstile. Uh, somebody suggested the uh, one. It was a Carousel of Progress. That was from Carla. I was going to read her message oh, thank here. You. Yeah, so thank you, Carla. Uh, she said, at least as of 2019, People Mover and Carousel of Progress. So we got that going on from Carla. Uh, you know, this, one, this month I wanted to kind of go through and showcase some of these photos. Now, they're all going to end up somewhere on our website uh, organized, categorizing that, but I figured I'd take a few that were sent in and throw them on the this podcast article. So Miranda wrote in, and she sent us a uh, another glass piece, a Disney candy jar. It says Walt Disney World. It's got blue font. So cool. Big red oval around that. So we'll post that one. Very cool. Nice, nice clean look on there. Almost... That's a shirt right there, if I've ever seen one, but that's... <laughs> we've got some, some copyright infringement there, I'm sure. Um, next one we got was from, uh, I have to laugh because his name is AJ Serio and he, it says on there his, his, his name or handle is Applejack Serial. So AJ Serio, Applejack, whatever you go by, um, he sent us a lot of ephemera and the Fort Wilderness stuff caught my eye and, uh, it's pretty good stuff. He goes through, you've got the whole guide that they give you, which this stuff from this vintage, uh, 1985, it looks like it's 
done on a typewriter, which it probably was and made copies of somehow, as the pony rides, the trail rides, the even the uh, create-your-own-seafood buffet, Brian, at Trails End Buffeteria. I am there. Unlimited seafood buffet from 5 to 8.30. Uh, salad bar favorites, boiled Florida shrimp, linguine with clam sauce. Um, I'm seeing if there's anything else. I don't even know. If I just find the weirdest thing, you'd probably be right, intrigued. I'm going to throw a flag on the play because just, just so everybody knows the parameters here. What? If you offer me a seafood buffet or a seafood dinner or a shrimp cocktail and you bring me the shrimp and it's still got the the, the, the shell yeah. or the legs on it, <laughs> no, no, I'm not working for my food. You don't bring me a cow that's still got fur on it. or something. Don't bring me shrimp that still has parts on it. I don't even want the tails on there anymore. But I'll deal with the tails, but not the rest so of what's, it. So what is this carved London broil? Oh. Oh, so that's a flank steak. Yep. And growing up, since we were poor, if we were most likely to get steak, my mom made London broil. And I loved London broil. I still love London broil. Uh, it is a tough cut. Uh, and I, I learned about 20 years ago to make a Bloody Mary flank steak Ooh. from Guy Fieri uh, on like his first cooking show. And uh, that's how I've made my London broil ever since. So Okay. Uh, they also had deep-fried catfish fillets and seasonal, selected seasonal seafoods. <laughs> so Well, you know, you're, you get your Florida grouper. What else do you think we'd get there, Todd? Uh, some seasonal... Mahi-mahi. Oh, my. Uh, any yeah, crab legs or anything? Uh, I don't see crab. No, they put red lobster out of business that's with true. the crab legs. You can't, you know... <laughs> that's right. Almost bankrupted the joint. What's this shrimp fest? Is that what they call it? Yeah, it's cra- crab. It's all you can eat crab legs. That's right. Like, That's right. They completely misjudged how many people could eat. I tell you. They almost went out of business. There is nothing better than a good captain's catch plate. That's that's a lot. It's a good seafood. <laughs> is that the fried one? or the? I, the, I like, I, I prefer the, the broiled, you know, broiled, broiled and, and yeah. grilled, yeah. Well. But yeah, nice mixed seafood yep. grill is... This uh, in 1985 would have cost you 11.95 for an adult. Oh my goodness! Here come the emails. Oh, the prices! I know. <laughs> uh, and now, just to put that into context, you could have gone on a pony ride for a dollar. So you were really <clears throat> and you were That's you were making twenty-seven dollars a year. So. <laughs> yeah, dinner or eleven pony rides. I'm not sure. Now, one last thing I'm going to touch on AJ's, and he did a nice, you know, pretty good scan of this. Is uh, it was always on this weird paper that my my paper kind of sore in the crowd here. I don't know who you are, but it's kind of like bumpy. You know, it's got like little weave into it. It's it's a, like a, yeah. Like all the Fort wilderness paper used to be like that. It seemed like when we'd get a a literature, like a faux parchment type of thing that they used to do. Yeah. You can totally see it on these scans. So thank you for that. AJ. Um, hitting Joe Barlow again. Joe's always, uh, reaching out to us. He sent us a few, uh, images here, uh, which I absolutely love this color scheme. The 1987 annual pass, uh, it's got a turquoise and purple-looking archway with some confetti flying off of the castle in Epcot. Uh, very, very cool-looking thing. And he's, he even sent us a picture from uh, Dick Tracy at uh, the studios. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, MGM Studios, 1990. So we'll throw these on there. And got uh, one more here. Uh, this one actually came in... Boy, I'm looking at my time. I saved this today, eight hours ago. This is from Eric. Eric he's is a librarian. And oh, yeah, this was good. He's uh, in Indiana, and he, his, his signature says Disney nerd, which is fun. 
He's he showed us his you know we, we talked about our ephemera and we pulled it out of boxes envelopes and stuff. Well, Eric, being a librarian, sent us his uh, hermetically sealed case that he stores his ephemera in, along with clear little almost like comic book looking holders with the cardboard backing. He just it, it's pretty amazing, and he catalogs it all on an app. So, Eric, you win on the uh, the categorization and uh, preservation. Of yeah, I ca- I categorize mine too. When I see stuff, I'm like, I think I have one of those somewhere. That's how I categorize <laughs> it. In a drawer, or in a box somewhere, I think I have one of those. So he is using the comic book boards. He does give Brian condolences on his lost ticket that your mom threw away. My mom threw away. Speaking yeah. of collections, I'm not going to call out the individual. There was a you guys saw that pretty funny post that was going around the other day where somebody was showing these large collections of things and 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 somebody wrote in and said what people collect those i have hundreds of them i was like <laughs> yes. well, then you must be collecting them if you have hundreds of them i forget what it was but it was, uh, it was, weren't they maps i think they maps were, or guides or yeah maps something. or guides yeah, yeah it's it pretty was. funny so well, yeah, absolutely, and you you are one of them. So if we didn't collect yeah. these things, we wouldn't have things to talk about. So uh, last piece of mail I wanted to. I know a lot of people reached out to us. I just wanted to give one shout out to Joe Siler Jr. You guys took a call for burn bombs, and Joe was one of the ones I pulled up. So thank you to Joe and everybody else that sent uh, burn bombs copies in for tonight's. Episode. Yeah, that was a. We we have to update our our burn bomb archive. I know. Here. Yeah, it was the gap was the only was the only gap was the years we were looking yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, got them all, but so. So thanks, Joe. All right, so that. if you uh, would like to reach out to us, podcast at retrowdw.com. Send us an email, uh, your stories, your memories, anything like that. Twitter message, Facebook, Instagram. We try to get to all of it, and uh, any of it has a chance to end up on the show. All right, well, it's time for this month's audio rewind, and as always, how pulls something out from his audio archives and uh this month was no different uh i'm sure you guys got it it was a pretty pretty common one i think as long as i sure did as As soon as i heard it i'm like hey i know what that is is, right well let's take a listen to last month's audio rewind all right how why don't you tell them what it is well, Todd, that was from the music outside of Muppet Vision 3D. So while you were standing in line looking at all the fences painted with the little googly eyes on them and stuff, you could you could enjoy that that music. And some people got to enjoy it again because uh, when Galaxy's Edge reopened just recently, they routed the line through the Muppet Vision queue for some reason. So <laughs> did they really like inside there? Outside. Oh, the outside. There's a okay. Right, so so when Muppet Vision first opened, of course, it was immensely popular. So it, if you walked up to the front door, on the right-hand side, there's an extended queue that goes down the side of the building, mm. kind of in between two buildings and loops back. And there's some funny posters with gags on them, and the, the lights have, like, eyeballs stuck to them. And there's a pipe uh, that's painted very much like the uh, the pipe inside of the Ed Sullivan Theater, where... Uh, Henson and I think Frank Oz and a couple people were like waiting to go on and they were stuck in there for a few hours. So they drew like faces and stuff all over the pipes in this closet that was in the room that they were in. And now it's apparently part of the tour, I think, when you go to 30 Rock or something. So there was an homage to that back there. It's a neat, it's a neat little spot back there with some, some cool stuff. So, uh, if it's, if you get there and it's not an extended queue, just see if you can wander back and enjoy some of that. 
All right. Well, we do have a winner for this month, and congratulations to Natalie B., who got the right answer, one of the correct ones that wrote in. And uh, how you've, you're going to pick something else out of your uh, reel-to-reel tape, cassette, 8-track, uh, Sony mini-disc. What else do you have? You got Dat. He's got some, oh, dat got some dats. Wow. Dat I have a tapes. few Victrolas, some wax cylinders, <laughs> and some kazoo reenactments. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> that we just do ourselves. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> that could it's be from Muppet be Vision right there, right? <laughs> That's actually Anyways. how. That is not a kazoo. Uh, the talent that just we have, we are, we have all these hidden talents. It's unbelievable. Us, it really yeah. is. Well, let's uh, dig into the bag there and your audio rewind, and uh, let's pick one for this month's audio rewind. If you think you know the answer to this month's Audio Rewind, send your guesses to contest at RetroWDW.com. All correct entries will be entered in a random drawing to pick the winner. Uh, please submit your entry by September 7th, 2020. All right, well, it's time for this month's topic. And, you know, we, gentlemen, we usually choose, um, you know, a ride or a specific attraction or, or an event. But there, you know, when we get into how Walt Disney World has changed over time, there are certain large-scale construction projects that happen that bring forth, you know, not only changes to the park and new attractions, but overhauls of lands and areas that uh, I think we need to cover, as in this month's episode, uh, from kind of a, a larger view before we dive down into each of those attractions in, in great detail, because there was a lot with this and a lot with the history of the Tomorrowland uh, rehabilitation and refurb, if you will, in the in the early 90s. Um, much like the Fantasyland uh, refurb that we had recently and the one that happened in Disneyland. These are all parts of the history that uh, we want to make sure that we discuss and, and record and, and talk about. So Brian and Howe are going to lead us through this. Um, JT and I are armed with some notes from our favorite burn bomb guide, as we mentioned earlier. I guess there was more to this overlay uh, of Tomorrowland uh, than when more than meets the eye, uh, other than just bolts and fake facades put over the original stuff. So, Hal, Brian, I'm going to turn it over to you, and uh, let's dial back to the early '90s. And uh, and JT, this was right in your wheelhouse when you were there and a young boy. And uh, we've got some great photos and everything to discuss. So. Brian, how? Take it away. Uh, it's interesting that you brought up <clears throat> the Disneyland new uh, Fantasyland there, the refurb there in 1983, and then uh, <clears throat> the expansion of Fantasyland in, in the Magic Kingdom uh, around 2009, 2010, I think, is when they started that. Uh, maybe a couple years after that. Um, but the... And then this one, uh, the, the the Tomorrowland in, in Walt Disney World. And the, the reason is that all three of them are attempts to uh, tailor the parks to a new audience. Uh, more so than anything else that they do uh, for any single attraction. It's an attempt to either update or expand an area to address a new kind of audience. <clears throat> and that's a lot of what was going on with the uh, decision to invest in Tomorrowland in the mid-1990s. Uh, I'm going to start off, uh, we recently acquired a packet of press releases 
issued by the Walt Disney Corporation in uh, in 1994-95. And the uh, new Tomorrowland featuring Alien Encounter is right here across the masthead. And of course, we'll post this on our site when we post the show notes. But uh, what I'm going to do is as we move through, I'm going to read you the introduction here. And then as we move through, I'll read you the introduction to each ride as we discuss them in each area. But uh, I'll read you the introduction here, and we'll talk a little bit about the overall overlay of the look they were going for, and then get to, uh, to some of the individual attractions. So, the future that never was is here. A whole new Tomorrowland is taking shape in Magic Kingdom Horizon, giving the land the look of a city like those imagined by sci-fi writers and movie makers of the 1920s and 1930s, complete with new attractions exploring space and time. Instead of the serious look of the real future of the original Tomorrowland, the new version creates a fantasy world where shiny robots do the work, planet-hopping rocket ships battle space aliens, and time machine travel becomes a thrilling reality along the avenue of the planets. It's Flash Gordon-ish, Buck Rogers-like neighborhood of sky-piercing beacons and glistening metal, illuminated by a celestial spectrum of neon colors, of whisper-quiet conveyances gliding along as an elevated highway, and rockets circling among spinning planets. The overall effect created for Walt Disney World guests is a friendly future town, neighborhood atmosphere like the other lands of the Magic Kingdom. And it's home to two brand new attractions, the Extraterrestrial Alien Encounter and Transportatarium. I didn't screw it up. Plus new versions of several Tomorrowland <laughs> attractions. The 1995 debut also marks changes in the restaurants and shops of the original Magic Kingdom land that opened in 1971. And that's where our story should briefly begin is the desolate land that was Tomorrowland right. in October of 1971. But Brian, can I can I do a translation on that marketing thing? It was beautifully written, sure. by the way. It, I didn't write it, but you're it, welcome. It roughly <laughs> translates to, Dear Walt Disney World guests, we know we don't have enough money for Discoveryland at, at Euro Disneyland at this time. We're going to overlay this land with things to pseudo-give you that Jules Verne feeling. Thank you. Man, so negative. That and and that, now I'm gonna go give you mine. When I was 11 years old, this made Magic Kingdom fun for me. I was completely blown away, and like my head exploded when I saw this in the dark. It was amazing. See, I I remember thinking this is not Discoveryland. This is wait a minute. This you know like I thought we were gonna get cool stuff. You, like you that. were one of the eight people that know about Disneyland Paris, or you were <laughs> a Disney. I'm like sorry. I, you know, I, I, I mean, like I was an annual. I, I was. I had I had a share. I had the shareholder magazines. Yeah, every I, I know. He's the so, gold key, key yeah, shareholder so, here. <laughs> so what is interesting is there was a very brief period of time when Discoveryland was actually. Uh, thought of for Tomorrowland redo, uh, and there was a model that that appeared in the Magic Kingdom at the end of the Walt Disney story that showed Discovery Land, and in, it included some aspects of of uh, of the Tomorrowland that we got, like the Timekeeper was there. But then there were things like the Astronomers Club, which was a redo of the uh, what is now called the Tomorrowland Terrace, which was then called the Plaza Pavilion. Um, 
which, you know, they would potentially bring in live actors portraying Jules Vernon people that you saw in Timekeeper to kind of interact with folks kind of the way that they did with the, I think it was called the Explorers Club over in uh, Euro Disney, a very short-lived restaurant in Adventureland where it's, there were supposed to be, you know, actors involved with it and, and kind of pivoting also off of what was happening in Pleasure Island. Um, for whatever reason, you know, they chose not to go with that and, and they went with this kind of Buck Rogers 1930s feel instead. Well, and, and we should start at 71 because, uh, you know, when we when we covered that in one of our very first episodes, uh, you know, the, the, the Wedway People Mover wasn't there. It was a dead end track uh, yeah. over top of the two... Uh, Circle Vision 360 theaters. Um, the there was no Space Mountain. There was there no was carousel. No progress. carousel yeah. of progress. Uh, so you had the mission to the moon at that yeah, point. Flight which, to the moon. <laughs> flight to the moon, which would you know was already outdated because we had landed on the moon two years earlier, and at that point, like eight guys had already been on the moon, so it was like old news. Um, and then, and then you had uh, the America the Beautiful, right? Was on the other side. I think yeah, that was the, the Circle Vision yeah. 360 film. Yep. Yeah, so that was on that side. And then a well-themed uh, steam train, which matched Tomorrowland. Was- <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the and the cars, yeah. and, you know, the 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 Grand Prix, and so like that was and the, and the, the the Astro. Well, it was the Sky Star Jets then. Mm-hmm. Well, but um, that didn't show up until that's yeah, right. Yeah, that came yeah, later. That- and when did if you had wings open? Uh, 72. 72. Okay. And wasn't stage. There. Wasn't there a stage? There yeah, well, the, was a tent was a t- at one point. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's... There was a tent. So uh, if those are interested in hearing about the original opening attraction, it, it, as you point out, Brian, it was one of our early episodes. It was episode right. number one. Uh, oh, there it you wasn't go. our pre. We had so, a pre-opening episode, but yeah. listen to episode so, number one. So we apologize for the poor quality when you go back oh, yeah, and listen horrible. to it. But, oh, yeah. he, but they get better. So then in 75, they put a bunch of money in and you, you had... Space Mountain get built and Wedway People Mover completed. Yeah. And they, I guess at that point, added the Star Jets. Right? Yeah. Carousel of Progress comes in from Carousel Disneyland. of Progress comes. As, so basically, they doubled the size of the land uh, in 75. And uh, and that was how it stayed for, you know, there were some attraction updates and changes, but that was essentially how it stayed until <laughs> 1994. Uh, the, the, the architectural layout of the place. Uh, was futuristic for 1971. No, the only thing that they did do, as we found, is like they retiled it after Tokyo Disneyland's because Tokyo Disneyland's was such a success with the new design that they brought that to Florida. And then, um, let's see, there was one other... You made me think of another thing that they did, and now I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I got a video here in 94 of them tearing them down. It's pretty crazy. You know, by and large, it, it had remained architecturally the same for since the, since the park opened, and you know the '90s were the era where the what we now regard as classics were just old and dated, and so the land needed a new look as far as they were concerned. And the other problem, they had, you know, they were now had ten years of Epcot under their under their belt, and they knew that uh, trying to capture the future in a theme park and stay ahead of what was the future was really expensive. And so the focus started to become in the late 80s, early 90s, how do we get out of this pressure to update everything every few years so it doesn't seem outdated? Because technology, I mean, we remember. I mean, you know, 
you start of the 80s, there were rotary phones and, and uh, you know, your, your TV had 13 channels. And at the end of the 80s, everybody's got cable and call waiting and answering machines. And uh, nobody had any of that stuff at the beginning. Like te- and computers and, you know, computers were a quarter of the price that they were at the beginning of the 80s. And, you know, just technology moved so fast, probably faster than in any other decade in history. Yeah. And even if you uh, think about Future World and Tomorrowland are kind of stepping on each other's toes thematically. So you make one something for one land. It's like then you're kind of not putting it in the other one. So right, kind of having a line of separation there, I think, kind of makes sense. And so the Magic Kingdom was settling into its, you know, fantasy. I don't want to call it a children's park, but. It was a park that was supposed to be welcoming in all corners to to children. So let's make the most terrorizing alien ride ever and put it in this new land, it which is, we'll get to. It is also we'll, ironic because I think that whole Buck Rogers style, I mean, it would really only appeal to people that were already in their in their 60s by time, their 50s and 60s, you know, in 1990, because only kids that had grown up. Would would we call, but would we call that maybe the back to the future effect where vintage type things that shouldn't appeal to younger age groups become appealing because they're kind of kitschy and that that is true. That is true. You know, that was a that was a phenomenon that I think really developed more in the 80s. And I and I really do point it to back to the future, although Happy Days in the 70s did have a similar effect of kind of idealizing and romanticizing aspects of the 50s culture and the diner culture and, um, you know, the general Americana from that from that era, which, of course, bred Disneyland. Right. Typically, people get really excited about things like you'll see a resurgence of stuff about like 30 years back. Right. So, you know, in the 1980s, a lot of people looked back at the 1950s for inspiration on stuff. So if you watched like Pee Wee's Playhouse, you saw a ton of like 1950s things getting rejiggered into like kitsch of. Yeah, but I really do think that that's the first instance of it. It's common now for the 30 year look back and for things. And now it's even more like a 20 year thing. I mean, it was like 2012 VH1 was doing I Love the OOs. Like, hey, buddy, that just happened two years ago. What are we doing retrospectives on now? But I don't think like people in the 70s were looking at the 40s or people in the 50s were looking at the 30s or the 20s. Like, I don't think I really think that's a phenomenon that started with this. And I'm calling it the back to the future effect. You know, this this happy days back to the future thing where they looked back at the 50s. And it, I don't think there really was a look back before that. That is potentially true, because up until the 80s. I think there was there was always something that kind of got people excited. Like in the 1920s, they opened up King Tut's tomb, and that created Art Deco because no one had seen anything like that for a thousand years, and like that was really cool, and everybody rallied around it. And you never should have given it up. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're right. There there are some you know sort of art movements that happened because of either technological revolutions or and we didn't have that in in the 80s really uh you know the computers were certainly a big deal but they didn't completely dominate sort of the look and feel of of anything at that time yep the, the other thing so, too i'll say is yeah. from my perspective at that age it was tomorrowland to me seemed just white like plain and simple and when i saw this it was just the explosion of color in you know the 
the the brown rocks and the you know it was just like not just like an apple store or you know whatever you know the the whatever it was vi- you're right the clean the clean lines of that mid-century kind of design that that and it really was the original tomorrowland was very much kind of a last gasp of, of like a mid-century clean lines 50s 60s kind of thing and you know you're you're 100 like neon correct. lights were everywhere that they didn't have leds and i'm assuming that not very easily but you know there was i mean there was i felt like there was lights on everything different things it was like you know when buzz lightyear walks into pizza planet a spaceport that's what it felt like <laughs> as a kid walking in there it's interesting for me because i was in college at the time that it opened and i didn't get down there i don't believe i went down there until 96 so i was kind of indifferent and i think i was a little nostalgic for the old uh excited to see the new stuff but it never resonated with me but i i think the other thing that they really tried to do and brian you touched on it a little bit in the press release is most of the other lands look like there are people that live there and you're walking through just at a time when there doesn't happen to be people there so you know main street is this quaint turn of the century you know living main street frontier land is a real city you know that has uh, stores and storefronts and the old west yeah. the, the old west but there's details like you know places to tie your horse up and right. a laundry and a water and, trough and none of that existed in tomorrowland you never got a feeling that there was a real community that you were walking through um and that was one of the things that they tried to correct with a lot of the placemaking that happened in, in the night in our 90s redo of tomorrowland here you saw things that looked like they could be houses and apartments and stuff bolted on so um that that had a lot to do with too let's talk about what the overall change in design was there Hal. like i mean since you touched on it i mean sure what did they do to it so so, uh as as you said a a lot of it was tearing down sort of that brasilia super clean white cement and, and literally i have photography here of them you know knocking plaster down off of off of the wedway people mover holders and things so they they basically tried to turn it into an actual city of the future so where you had very plain buildings before they did things like they added a a third floor onto the the concourse walkway when you come in and and you could see things that looked like apartments uh on the left and the right above above the buildings And, and they gave it a very big unified theme uh it was it was kind of this modern city slash spaceport with aliens uh, as as Brian mentioned, there was a, a name given to that thoroughfare when you would walk in off of the hub called the Avenue of the Planets, and it even had an actual street sign there that said Avenue of the Planets to, to give you that idea. Um, there was a gag uh, right there that was kind of like, and I don't know if in the north we're very accustomed to seeing this. I don't know if they have this in California or, or other places, but... A lot of times, I know where I grew up, when you got off the thruway in western New York at your small city, there would be a sign right at the entrance, uh, ours was right, right off the thruway, with with uh, like badges saying like, welcome to, you know, your city with signs from yeah. the Lions Club and all the local yeah, civic Kiwanis organizations. Yeah, the Hill Valley sign that's floating in Back to the Future Correct. Part yeah, 2. Yeah. Yes. Or one. And, and, and they had one of those when you walked in too. Um, with all kinds of little little gags and funny things on it <laughs> little punny organizations yeah and stuff. yeah i'm trying to find the loyal order of little green beings uh the league of planets i have the galactic association of retired aliens 
<laughs> what were you going to say, Todd? I, I just, I never, it, it's interesting that we talk about this now because I never picked up on that trying to make it look like a society. And now that you think about like the little guy that typed the, that supposedly types the newspaper on demand uh, over by the car. Right. Yeah, you never, you really, you never really saw that. Um, so yeah, it's interesting, interesting comment. Yeah. So, so that was, that was the idea is to try to give it more of a lived in feel like a, like a lot of stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. I finally found, I finally found my photo. You're right. JT, were you looking at a picture? Oh yeah. <laughs> all right. That's from yes. Memory. And oh, the, the Tomorrowland Chamber of Commerce welcomes you. There was all this stuff and yeah, they, they actually, uh, a lot of these names would end up later on. I think they mentioned the League of Planets inside of the queue for Alien Encounter, and, and they also mentioned a couple of these things on the uh, on the uh, Tomorrowland Transit Authority. So they checked, took the Woodway, and they tried to make it as if it was a uh, an actual transportation line, like sort of a subway that went through Tomorrowland. So there was just a ton of that placemaking. And some of that's and probably it, still left over today where you go through the people mover and, and what, it's a, a beauty shop, a beauty salon, right? Yes, up top, yes. And they're getting their yep, hair done. Yep, yep that's... Oh. So, so let's start a little bit here. I mean, as we've talked about the general feel, I want to start in the back and kind of move forward. Uh, and one of the reasons we'll start in the back is uh, at that point, this is from the end of the press release, uh, they talk about the new Galaxy Palace outdoor variety theater staging galaxy search a league of planets talent concert which was a takeoff on star search right <laughs> uh the variety show and starring the galaxy palace dancers famous disney characters in their best just got in from saturn costumes and other galactic performers including the poodle sisters skating mobots stilt walking tripods and the monster king wow. so that go ahead now now the monster king if you remember our episode talking about that incredible hot mess called Splashtacular, the Monster King was actually the cyber dinosaur from Splashtacular, redressed right. with an Elvis wig and sunglasses. <laughs> and there are pictures of that, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, incredible. Now, that, that theater was tucked in between... Um, between Carousel Progress and the Skyway building. And right. Uh, so right now, there's kind of like a Buzz Lightyear place where you can meet and greet. And there was Correct. a whole theater back there, which I'm not sure why they took it away. It seems like it's still a useful thing to have, but it's just closed off now. Yes. Uh, but the other thing that was back there, visitors to the new Tomorrowland will also find a super arcade of video games amid giant generators in the Tomorrowland Light and Power Station. So that's still there. I mean, it's it's uh, it's 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 in the back there, but it has over the years. When it was originally this, it was a mega arcade. There were uh, uh, games where you could win prizes. Uh, you could turn in tickets. Uh, it was a big section of traditional arcade games and photo booths and everything you would expect to find in your finest. Uh, mall or boardwalk arcade and over the years what has happened is a small gift shop section and then a larger merchandise section and now it's i think there are like a couple of arcade type things along some of the walls uh places where you can burn some dollars or or probably at this point swipe credit cards uh but now it's almost all merchandise yeah it's i think it's mostly just a store yeah now. Um, so 
what was interesting during that time period, you know, the they actually closed the arcade on Main Street. And I, I think the reason that they felt like they could do that and get rid of the old mechanical games is, you know, there was a very small arcade, you know, in, in the Penny Arcade and Main Street. So, And we'll put our link to our entire show on the Penny Arcade and Main Street in the show notes. Yeah, so opening up this facility, which, which was a new addition to Tomorrowland, it was actually constructed next to Space Mountain, uh, you know, that, that gave them a huge opportunity to to you know greatly expand the size of the arcade there so arcades are probably still doing well at that point um in florida the reason that we've seen a lot of this stuff shut down was um there was a law that was passed to try to uh protect old people from being uh taken advantage of at, at some of these electronic bingo parlors and uh that law is kind of vague so it, it uh, a lot of operators stopped doing redemption games um, to, to perhaps not fall under the auspices of it. And, and that's why you saw the arcade shut down pretty much across property. Because um, redemption games are one of the few things that actually make a, a lot of money. So um, all that has kind of slowly gone away. How did Space Mountain exit before this building? Just right outside? Or did it... Uh, yeah. Yeah, you'd come out to the kind of the left of the entrance. So they just kind of bolted that onto the... Got it. The rest of it. Yeah. So, so the the press release ends by mentioning familiar favorites, like stuff that didn't get much of an of, a, of an overlay, which was Space Mountain, the Grand Prix Raceway, Delta Dream Flight, and the Tomorrowland Transit Authority, formerly the Wedway People Movers. So, I guess we will start there. Welcome aboard, TTA travelers. We hope you enjoy Tomorrowland Transit Authority's Super Skyway. The People Mover did get some updates here, and not just in the, the 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 portions of the outside track, which all got that kind of steampunk overlay that the rest of the land got, uh, but some of the interior displays changed, didn't they? That's true. Yeah. So where before you would you know you would still be able to look into um, into the, some of the attractions, although not as much as you used to. They did add a number of other displays as well. Um, there is one place that looks like it's it's kind of like a subway. So I guess you're perhaps seeing the other parts of the the transportation system. All they they look like rockets inside. So there's there's this one section where there's a robot who looks like he's sort of reading a newspaper mm-hmm. by the sound that's sign that says outgoing departures, and you can see another robot in a rocket, kind of like going in a tube by him. So I guess that was I think that was the red line perhaps. Uh, where you are on the blue line, is that right, I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And then there's also this very odd little tableau of a, uh, of a beauty salon that has a, what I will describe as a dime store mannequin, because you can still, to this day, see the, the slits where the, the hands <laughs> attach to it, so I think <laughs> they literally... Gonna put it's some just cups a or ruffles on there or something. It's still there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sitting sitting in a chair in front of this kind of screen, and then I, I think your her face is completely obscured mm-hmm. by this device. Yeah. By the by the bubble thing there. This thing on the wall uh like a big circle that i think is supposed to be showing you what's going on inside of that with like her hair being pulled 
And it's, I don't know, it's a very disturbing image inside <laughs> of that. But uh, yeah, they, they tried to jazz it up a little bit. They they kept the model of uh, of uh, Progress City and came up with like a little thing that says that it's presented by the Tomorrowland Metro Retro Association. So they kind of gave an excuse to be there. But yeah, it was, and then they updated the, of course, they updated the, um, the voiceover throughout it from a, yes. uh, from the Horak One computer who gave us the tour before to just kind of this, you know, deep voice guy. And, and, and they would drop all kinds of little funny, uh, funny little puns and things throughout it. All visitors from Galaxy M31, please keep forward-facing tentacles clear of oncoming Metroliner vehicles. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, so that was the, the People Movers update. Uh, and as you would come out of the power station and, and enter that there, above you, the, the Star Jets had gotten a, a refurb uh, into the Astro Orbiters that we know today. Yes. And Ver so the Star, the Star Jets were very almost stock spinner ride looking kind of little rocket ships. Uh, and this, you know, there it's obviously a lot more elaborately themed now. Yes. It has bowling balls attached to it. I know uh, those are planets. Yeah. I'm sorry. Those are planets. Yeah. Not... You have to have bowling balls. <laughs> we lost the uh, Saturn five rocket in the middle. Yes, we did. We did lose the Saturn five rocket there. And it is, uh, it is lovely, though. I mean, it's a nice... It definitely looks a lot more interesting than the... Well, there was stuff that, like, you felt like you were going to hit it going around, or, you know, it was like things in the way, not just the... Yep. Yes. The, the, the uh, scenery. And I, I'll tell you, the handful of times I've rode that, because I never want to wait in the line, but when there used to be late-night park events, I'm like, hey, there's no line for Astro Orbiter. Let's ride it. It goes fast up there. Yeah, Like, you, you feel like you're going fast. It's, it's one of the faster spinners, I think, of, of all. Yeah. Uh, but off to your, your left as you're walking out there is the Carousel of Progress. And the reason none of us need to prepare for, for this next segment is uh, that is when the uh, final scene was last updated. <laughs> so it got a brand new scene uh, in 1994-95. And if you were curious about the changes, you can go watch it today because it's, it's still there. Uh, twenty five years later, That's right? Yeah, virtual reality, and, um, the whole thing, the voice, everything activation. that you have today is there. It's the best Damn. time. Yeah. See? So, well, and we also uh, did an elaborate episode on that. So we'll put a link we to did, go listen to. We, we did do an elaborate episode on the prior changes, but I think we included the last. We scene did. In we there. did include the changes as well. But yeah, we so we won't go over it a lot. But you know, there are laser disc players and car phones and. Um, voice-activated ovens and uh, the, the 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 mom working at her laptop right in the kitchen. Uh, what else? We had the, the, the remote control lights. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean the irony of yeah, voice commanded everything. I mean the the ir the irony of this is like it was intended to be you know six years in the future, and then it just never ever got updated again. So and, and so we can see that. Yes, all of those things came to pass <laughs> to the point where they are now outdated by 20 years or so. It's so it's it's just it's a 
it's a it's a fun it's it's you know it's at a point now where i'm like i want them to update it but i also don't want them to update it <laughs> like, like i've just we, we it's kind of become a classic now so so we, one of the changes that they did make behind us there is you not only lost the uh the rocket on top of uh, star jets there but you also lost your rca spacemen oh, i love that outside of there. outside of uh outside cool. of space mountain because that sponsorship changed didn't it how that's right yes fedex somehow took over as the uh as the official sponsor of space mountain because when you want to ship uh, yourself into the into space you ship yourself in a fedex rocket right Right. Well, I guess it kind of made sense. So if you're a future city and, you know, deliveries is, are an important thing. Well, so, they put you know, packages throughout the queue. There was some things there. And, they did. And then the, were... the end, uh, it's people move, or I'm sorry. Uh, gosh, I lost the speed ramp. Gosh. Uh, all that was FedEx themed with, you know, yep. moving the yep. box of bones and all that. There. That was also when we got the very funny uh, queue video. Blair, where they had remember all right. the, all the different uh, actor the, the guy that played Ortho from uh, Beetlejuice was in there uh, amongst other act you know I guess I don't want to say they're famous but like probably all comedians like there was a bunch of about a half hour long loop yeah. with a combination of like old movies old sci fi movies and like movie reel things with a, a lot of funny gags so it gave you something to to watch while you were waiting for Space Mountain because that line. And then outside of like Space Mountain, I, th- I think this is when the uh, the palm trees appeared. That's right. Those things with, and they got the one that's hanging crooked or hanging down. It's broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea was supposed to be, I think, that those would collect energy. Yeah, the coconuts during were the, the day. And I, and I found this out while researching. The one that's hanging down, like limp, that one uh-huh. uh, has no coconuts on it. They're gone. Ah. I never noticed. I need to look now next time I'm there because I always think like, oh, that one's broken. But yeah, now some people speculate that at some point those actually used to like open and close, but I never saw that. I heard happen. it's an urban legend. That's what I read. Okay, but... that that would make sense because yeah, I never really saw that. But yeah, that, um, and then the other thing too, which I almost want to dig into more because I just found this out before the show, was there was actually a FedEx lounge in Space Mountain, and uh, there... it was meant for FedEx employees. You could go in there, get a cold drink and stuff and then you could also jump the line go to the front um Mm -hmm. and and i think that's it yeah so rca had been the sponsor for 20 years from when it opened in 75 until uh the 95 i guess two 10-year contracts is my guess so there was an rca lounge and then when fedex took it over fedex had the lounge got it um and not far from there, over in that area where Hal's talking about where the stage was, at one time had the, uh, or the, I guess attached to the America the Beautiful or Circle Vision 360 was the, <clears throat> what eventually became the AAA um, lounge for the people who were members of the trip, the AAA club or whatever oh, it was. Huh. If you bought a AAA vacation package, you got the special, uh, you got the special parking at the Magic Kingdom. But there was also a lounge there in Tomorrowland where you could go, which I believe I've been told is it's now just closed off. Uh, I think it might be used for Buzz Lightyear's break room. <laughs> oh, fun. <laughs> but 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 like back then there was a, like yeah, there was a whole like triple A uh, diamond club like uh, comfort center where you they, could go in and use the bathroom and get a drink. And They should have opened those up instead of putting the tents back there a few years ago. Oh, the, the cabanas. <laughs> yeah, the cabanas. That didn't last yeah. long. 
So on the Transportatarium, it says, Because time travel was such a prominent part of early science fiction writers' visions, Disney Imagineers have combined CircleVision 360 technology with audio-animatronics figures and special in-theater effects to create an adventure to centuries past and those yet to come, all within an auditorium that literally surrounds guests with sights and sounds. During their journey, today's travelers meet famous inventors and visionaries of the machine age. Of course, this attraction was later renamed The Timekeeper. And if you want to learn all about it, you should listen to our interview with Jeff so Blythe. Did meet in some episode. guy that did something with yeah, that? Yeah, the, the, guy, the, the guy that shot it. Todd asked him a great question about the mirror and how they shot that yep. one scene. And it, we get into a great discussion about it. But this was a really neat attraction, right? You know, Robin Williams and... And had star uh, power. Th- I, it had star power, but it was also really unique. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a unique way to use the Circle Vision technology. Yeah. I- I recall not knowing what it was too. I think I might have mentioned this exactly the same. Back, you know, when we did this episode, it was everything else. Most of these attractions, honestly, the new things, Alien Encounter, which talk about Timekeeper, you didn't really know because it was a whole new exterior, and you know they they advertised it in a kitschy way that was like not exactly describing what it was. So you're like. I'm going to a, an expo center, and I'm going to time travel? All right, let's go see what this is all about. It's hot. I want to go inside. Yeah. Yeah. So what's fascinating is this attraction had a lot of issues of getting people into it for some reason. We uh, didn't go that first year. Definitely skipped it. Alien yeah, Encounter I mean, was the it one. Op- it opened with this name, the Transportarium. It was billed as an outrageous blast through time. And then uh, it opened up. And then suddenly, in um, I have a picture here of December of 1994. There's suddenly a, like a sign, a permanent placard, put out in front of it that looks very fancy with some some cool illustrations. It says, "Be the inventor of Tomorrowland's one and only time machine. See the greatest inventions of all time today, yesterday, all live." You know, trying to do something to make people aware that it's there. I think one of the problems with with it is the architecture kind of obscured the entrance. Mm. Like a weird hook so, left and, or hook yeah, right. Yeah, so so it wasn't necessarily obvious. And then another few months later, there's basically like a giant banner hanging off the side of the building. <laughs> well, and they would put, and they would send the timekeeper, and they would send cast members out into the walkway yeah, to yeah. wave you in. Yeah, you know, to kind of you know, it's just kind of unfortunately like poorly executed from the from that point of view well both of those buildings i mean we've talked about that they're 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 constrained by size uh both the alien encounter building and the and the circle vision 360 building because those contract the attractions prior that resided there would tended to be small so it was difficult to do something with them uh far off the beaten path from what was already in like you couldn't put a ride in there it's just not big enough right so that's that's part of what we'll talk about uh when we get in depth on alien encounter uh but you know that so that that's part of the the thing there is they're 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 both wedged in these relatively small buildings uh unless you want to move the restaurant out the magic kingdom's largest restaurant which is connected to the building where uh alien encounter is so we're going to do alien encounter in depth next month we're going to do the whole episode on on alien encounter uh both versions and uh, its conception and, and all that. Both it's, it's versions, time. you mean Stitch, or do you mean both versions? Well, no, of Alien I mean Encounter. the original okay, to Alien Encounter, good. and then the second Alien Encounter, yes. uh, the, the tweaked version that, that lived much longer uh, before the Alien Incursion when Stitch came. <laughs> um, 
But we won't get to that now. We, I mean, we will say that part of the driver for this land was this was the marquee new attraction was Alien Encounter. This is probably the so one that really was going after that other demog demographic that we're looking at, yeah. right? We were they were trying to get teens in. Um, and it was really a different a different type of look. I mean, you would call it the first PG attraction in the Magic Kingdom. There you go. And they, and they promoted it as such. The promos, the videos. I mean, it was always that you saw that trailer where the glass breaks and all that. You know, twenty five different ways on uh, the Disney TV yeah. channel. Everything. It's oh, been yeah. all over. Welcome to the universe of Excess. You are about to experience the latest scientific wonder brought to you by Excess Tech, the galaxy's leader in innovative high technology. But first, let me share with you the fascinating story of our company. Uh, but those weren't the only changes, because as we talk about the, 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 the whole atmospheric change, so uh, that includes the restaurants and the shops. And uh, the changes that happen there, uh, we'll talk the restaurants first, because it's our favorite topic, and it's what we always get the most email on. <laughs> um, First, underneath uh, the Astro Orbiter station was, for years and years, was the Space Bar. And the Space Bar didn't have a big menu. In fact, we've got an awesome picture in our 1975 food service set of that that also includes the menu, uh, which we can throw in the show notes again. I know we just had it in the show notes a couple months ago, but it's a great picture. And it does, you can see the menu. Basically, it's chips and soda and they never a hot dog, maybe. You didn't have an extensive menu there. It's a wasted name, uh, in my opinion. It it is except the lunching pad. Even though we're used to it, is kind of a whimsical name too. No, so like a bar, they could have had like foaming drinks and you know Galaxy's Edge style stuff. And no, it's just. I, and I will say, once they changed it to the lunching pad, we'll 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 go to the handy dandy 1996 burn bombs guide here. Uh, located at the base of the Astro Orbiter in the center of Tomorrowland's vast concrete plaza. <laughs> this small spot offers chips as well as assorted desserts and a variety of soft drinks. It, it really did have a limited menu. Now, uh, it's one of my favorite stops because it's where I get a pretzel. I get a pretzel with my little cup of cheese and a Diet Coke. Um, it's also because it's a fountain soda place where you can get a free cup of water. if you <laughs> Or water, as we say it in Philadelphia. Um, you know. And uh, so, so it's this frequent stuff, and they have hot dogs and stuff now. But but back then, it really was for years and years. It was like chips and brownies, and like, that was it. Like you, they didn't have a really extensive extensive thing there. But it was also home to Tomorrowland is also home to the Magic Kingdom's largest restaurant. So it was originally called the Tomorrowland Terrace. Uh, it was where they had the. Bro broiler, come on, what was it? The broiler, it like the broil master three thousand, master seven thousand or something, <laughs> oh, yes. or something that could do the uh, two thousand burgers an hour or yeah, something like some that. Yeah, some crazy number, some crazy number that it could that it could cook. But that was what you did. Like people went in there and they served hundreds of hamburgers every hour. Like people went through there and that's where you got your meals. And it's really interesting because we have both the 95 and 96 guides here. They redid it as Cosmic Ray Starlight Cafe. Major refurb. Uh, and before, like I said, it was a pretty stark, simple place where you walked in and you got your you know, your sandwich or whatever and sat down and, and you ate it. Uh, and they also had the stage inside that used to rise up from underneath. And we've got some films of that and all. Uh, where live bands would play, you know, live singers, live entertainers would perform while you ate. 
so when they reimagine the land, uh, they reimagine that stage and figured out a way to cut the live entertainment budget by putting a Chuck E. Cheese style animatronic. He's still there. live. It's- He's still there. Sunny Eclipse. Sunny Eclipse is there performing his 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 lounge act for you while you uh, while you dine. Oh, bright little star, though I'm light years away from her now, I can't help but to feel that somehow we're both wishing on you. It's interesting because, like I said, when they first opened, you know, what they did with Cosmic Rays was they took their various ordering bays, which we do have pictures of from 1975, they took their various ordering bays in 1995 and turned them into different stations. Uh, so one of them, a big thing that took off there was chicken, right, Hal? That's right. This was this was right in the middle of the entire of the United States thinking that they needed to eat more healthy. Uh, so we were all caught up in a wave uh, of that, plus a little restaurant called Boston Market, completely changed the way we ate and everybody went nuts for rotisserie chicken in the in the early to mid 90s yes so they put in a a rotisserie chicken counter and had various meals of that involved rotisserie chicken and then there was a soup salad and soup and salads maybe right yeah Mm -hmm. and then i guess a sandwich area too uh i think there were three bays but listen to the difference as it was going through the transition. So the 95 Burn Bombs Guide, which would have been written in 94, knew it was getting a new name, but they're basically advertising the old menu. It says the largest fast food spot in the Magic Kingdom, where the menu features hot and cold sandwiches, soups, and salads. That's the extent of the Cosmic Rays Starlight Cafe in 95. In the 96 Guide, after the refurb had been done and it reopened, uh, there's like James Joyce wrote the entry here. Is it? <laughs> Cosmic Ray Starlight Cafe, the largest fast food spot in the Magic Kingdom, where three distinctive menus are offered. Cosmic Chicken serves rotisserie chicken dinners and drumettes. Blast Off Burgers has cheeseburgers, double cheeseburgers, and vegetarian cheeseburgers, and Starlight Soup. I have to find Starlight, out what Starlight Soup. Soup is Ooh. now. Like, come on. It's probably chicken and noodle. With little star and shaped noodles. Yeah. St- St- Starlight Soup Salad and Sandwich, which was the third counter, offers soups, Caesar salad, chef salad, grilled chicken sandwiches, and cheesesteak sandwiches. And let me tell you, it's a bold Philadelphian who orders a cheesesteak sandwich outside of southeastern Pennsylvania. <laughs> or soup in the summertime, for that matter. <laughs> In addition, well, the, the, they, they still had a senior citizen uh, contingent back then that would go to the parks. And as you know, a senior citizen, 95 degrees out, they want a hot cup of soup and a cup of coffee with their yeah. lunch. <laughs> senior coffee. Sanka. Sanka. In addition, a child's menu and soft drinks are available. So, you know, you, you're walking in there, you have to pick your line. Who's standing in the rotisserie chicken line? Who's standing in the Starlight Soups this and Salads line? This is not going line? well. Like, this, is, this is just, well, this is just like the market up. down in the land, right? The easy thing is there's no Disney dining plan, so you just give $20 to one person, give $20 to the other, tell them what to order in each line, and then you all meet back at a common table and watch Sunny Eclipse entertain you while you enjoy your Starlight Soup. 
Yeah, unless you unless you were stuck in the back half, <laughs> <laughs> right. which which there was what? really nothing to look at. Uh, but what? there was also some lovely terrace dining too out the outside. That's the, that's the quiet part. Yeah, you know, it's it's right. it still has even to this day those like very seventies glass windows. Those the design of it is just it's horrible still. The little oh yeah, they didn't. I mean, what they really did to the inside was a paint job. Yeah. Now they did gr- greatly improve the bathrooms. Like they did a. F- like everything in the Magic Kingdom, man, they really knocked the bathroom rehab out of the park. Like, the bathrooms everywhere in the Magic Kingdom now are so much nicer than they were in the 70s. Um, that's, yeah, not they, mentioned, that's not mentioned in the press release, by the way. Let's keep going. They should. They should. To- I'm really disappointed that Birnbaum never mentioned that because <laughs> it's a totally lost opportunity. They do mention the other two, the other two restaurants that got uh, renamed. Uh, Plaza Pavilion Terrace Dining. <clears throat> Which was just east of the Plaza Restaurant. It's still there. Tomorrowland Terrace. Uh, This sleek spot on the edge of Tomorrowland serves pan pizzas, fried chicken strips, and Italian specialty sandwiches. Some particularly pleasant tables look past the graceful willow trees nearby towards the hub waterways and an impressive topiary sea serpent. Now, we'll all remember that that also went through that weird phase a few years later where it became the Tomorrowland Noodle Terrace. Yeah, yeah, which one was Noodle? Noodle Station, right? Noodle Station. Yeah, it was Noodle Station, and then uh, that didn't last too long. Was there a big noodle trend after the rotisserie chicken trend? I I I don't know, but it never seemed open. Like it was always. Well, that's what I was going to say. The the there was a joke. I remember somebody did a write up uh, before it got reinvigorated. The the old, uh, what's a Tortuga Tavern now, which used to be oh, El yeah. Pirata, Y El Pirico. Yes. And there's a, and there's a write-up on it uh, somewhere from maybe 10 years ago on a blog where it says, I think the Spanish translation of that means this place is never open. Because <laughs> it, it was. It became, like, I, I literally had gone for years and years, and that restaurant was never open over in Adventureland. So there were, I mean, that was kind of like the seasonal... Those two restaurants, there were several restaurants right. that were like right. and seasonal Right, I was never there in yeah. the summer or at Christmas, so... Like, the, you know, Christmas week, right. those things would open, but otherwise they were closed. And that was the same thing with that noodle terrace. Like, you would only see it open, like, at the busiest days of the year. I love the decor, though. They had that, like, brush stainless steel, like, all over the place. Yep. It looks so yep. cool. And then, like, they, they put, like, all new chairs in there. And I think there's, like, a thousand chairs in there that... Well, they do the dessert parties there yeah. now, the hub dessert parties and all. That was the last time that I actually ate there, or if I was just taking my meal from somewhere else, because the tables were always there to sit mm-hmm. at. Uh, but they but they do rope it off for the dessert parties in the evening for the fireworks uh, dessert parties. I think that's where I ate with Todd on our tour over there, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's that, where the, the tours eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's where the tours eat. Yeah. Um, and then the last one... Uh, is Anti-Gravity's Galactic Goodies. Oh, it's the ice cream. This small spot between the Merchant of Venus, fantastic name, and Mickey Star Traders serves natural foods, fruit smoothies, soft-serve frozen yogurt, soft drinks, and fresh fruit. I think it's just ice cream now, This is when it? the soft-serve kick was. Everybody wanted, or, uh, you know, frozen yogurt kick, whatever that yes. was. Yes. Oh, that was big, yeah. But fresh fruit and stuff like I mean, probably got like a well, the, strawberry uh, frozen yogurt with some chunks on it, you know. So the thing is, in 1995, when they was like, "Oh, they have fresh fruit," like you you would go over and it would be fruit that somebody like cut 
and put in a little container for you. Now you get fresh fruit. They hand you like a Del Monte peaches and syrup. Get a clementine. (laughs) Yeah, with like the little thing you rip off. Like, all right, I guess this is my fruit. You know, thanks. Um, I still can't get get my hand around all the uh, packaged stuff now. So we also in for merchandise, we, we had a couple of changes, just mostly a name uh, and also some some, you know, interior decoration. So the spaceport became the as as you said, uh, the Shakespearean Merchant of Venus, which <laughs> hopefully are I think probably most of our listeners will understand, but probably, you know, JT probably didn't get that reference when you were a kid. Spaceport? No, the Merchant of Venus? No. Do you, do, do you get it now? No. Okay, it's a it's a it's a pun on the Merchant of Venice, which yep. is a Shakespearean play, which I haven't seen. I just know it. I just know. We just name. know it. Yeah, I yeah. just know the name. Yeah. And then uh, Mickey's Mart uh, became Mickey's Star Traders, and it, it got quite a little bit of an up, which I think was a Disneyland name, right? That's that mm. where the big neon thing is outside in the Disneyland. Um, yeah, um, we got. I think that one was called Star Traders. So. Uh, we got a new sign outside, and they kind of redid the some of the decor, the decor in the interior. Uh, but largely, that's just kind of like the two gift shops um, within Tomorrowland. But you know, help help and, bring. And it there into were the two theme. smaller spots we should mention. The first is the Skyway Station shop. Yes. Uh, so where you exited the Skyway Station, there was a small spot tucked away near the Tomorrowland terminus of the Skyway to Fantasyland. Great for Disney souvenirs. <laughs> Okay. I, I remember film and some hats. It was a very. It was like a counter. The suntan lotion things. Yeah, like that. exactly. Yeah. Very small. Uh, the second one, which Hal and I talked about pre-show, which is great, Geiger's counter. Oh, yes, which which everyone is still there. Yeah, but it's but it's not Geiger's counter anymore. It's a it's a DVC sales booth now. Yes, it was previously called the Space Place. Hmm. And, and, and that, before that, it was a ticket booth. So that yeah. actually started as the Tomorrowland ticket booth. Then Tomorrowland ticket booth has survived. And at that, at Geiger's counter, this small shop featured a variety of souvenir hats. <laughs> so if the sun in Tomorrowland was getting to you, you could uh, go there, and they could be your hatter there. Geiger could be your hatter <laughs> on your way to your your speedway, which changed names at this time too. It did, and I guess we'll include it in Tomorrowland, yeah. right? Like it's it's technically a Tomorrowland yep. uh, original Tomorrowland attraction. Attention, Indy drivers! To ensure your safety on the track, remain seated with your seatbelt securely fastened. Yes. So what's interesting is that, uh, based on the voiceover on the Tomorrowland Transit Authority. I believe that they were at some point actually considering changing it into more of an autopia or at least kind of giving it that name because they don't refer to it as a speedway. Uh, they refer to it as a, the the uh, the voiceover guy talks about it being like uh, traffic and, and being doing a traffic report like over Tomorrowland's highways. Hmm. So... Ah. Uh, so I, th- I think there must have been an aborted idea to try to try to turn that into something fancier. But at some point, they actually signed the deal with the Indianapolis 500, and it kind of kind of got an Indianapolis 500 uh, theme. I think a couple of years after that. So it yeah, because that commuting theme works better for Disneyland, where it has kind of that highway yeah. and and backcountry road feel. 
Yeah, so it 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 became the Tomorrowland Grand Prix for a short period of time, and, and then I think it turned into like the Indy 500 Speedway or something after that. So there was a little bit of a a change. I I, I think one of the things that that you can pretty safely say about this Tomorrowland redo is that um, it was really heavily done on the hub side. And as you kind of traveled more towards the back in Fantasyland, like the level of stuff that was done to it started to get less and less and less. And then by the time you got to the speedway, it was like practically nothing. So I will say too that in November of '95, that is when the Disney Speedway, the real one, the big one, opened up, and that was oh, yeah. an indie mm-hmm. track for in the indie racing league. So I'm guessing that's around when they rethemed. That that would make sense because Indy was Indy was there and ready to go, ready to spend the money. That's good. That's good. hey, kept it going for a while. Mm-hmm. They put down the bricks and they gave it that whole theme for no apparent reason. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, we we can't leave <clears throat> the new Tomorrowland without talking about Todd's favorite attraction, Delta Dreamflight. No, not Delta Dreamflight. This one's free. You don't have to wait in line to get to this one. Tell everybody what your favorite part of New Tomorrowland was there, Todd. It was a big silver ball, <laughs> but, but it oh, wasn't a big silver ball. Brownish <laughs> germ <It's>, ball, <laughs> graphite colored. Ah, the, uh, the big germ ball. Yes. Kugel ball. We, we, we have to talk about the Kugel ball, uh, which I only ever remember is there when Todd brings it up. <laughs> uh, the Kugel fountain is a floating sphere fountain uh, that is located that they added to the new Tomorrowland when they when they opened it uh, back up in the 90s. And uh, it's a it's a water sculpture where a sphere kind of sits in a in a hollow pedestal supported by water, yep. by, a, by a film of water. Pressurized water flows between the, the sphere and the socket, and it creates a what they call a hydrostatic bearing that is nearly frictionless. So it looks like this, this giant ball is floating, and there's water cascading down the sides of it. And the one they put in Tomorrowland had the, the, the planets on it, yeah. right? Wasn't it like the solar all sorts system? of different things on it and uh it was kind of like a constellation map mixed with a road map because there'd be right. like a little markers like i5 but on the lines. we did discover through howard bauer's series of of uh staged photographs over the over time uh that it's like they put it in and then every week somebody was like you know what we ought to do this and they kept adding things and changing. It gets things really bizarre. It, right? Yeah, it gets more right? and more steampunky like, and, and and it starts off yeah. very so it, beautiful it, and simple. Yeah, kind of stark. So it starts. It starts off in May of '94, as a, as a, well, it, it was a little bit more complicated. So it, it has like an all cement base with an arm and kind of like a pointer thing at the top, uh, with the Tomorrowland Transit Authority, like written in that ITC Ana font that was used everywhere. So it stays like that for a little while, and then um, by. Let's see, June, no, July, August, August of 94, uh, it broke. The cement probably cracked or something because then the ball is like completely cordoned off and they have black tarp all around it (laughs) and they're trying to figure out what to do with it. Uh, By November of the year, uh, the ball is gone and they have replaced the cement gra- the cement part of it with metal 
uh, and they've put a railing around it, probably so that way you, it was, you were less likely to slip your fingers underneath where the ball was. Oh. So potentially there might have been a little accident wax. <laughs> oh my god. Doesn't it weigh like 13 tons or something crazy? <laughs> something. And then by February of 95, um, it's back, and it, it, they kind of restored the original design with the, uh, the little arm that, that goes on top of it. But then they also added a map of Tomorrowland onto the back of it for some reason. So, you know, the idea is, it's supposed to be that kids can walk up to it and, like, push on it and, right. and make the Touch big ball. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it spins yeah, around. Stuff, right? spin it, yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing, but, too, is, is uh, Robo News was there. Yeah, so we'll t- I'll talk about some of the other stuff that was kind of around Rocket Tower Plaza, yes. which is what the uh, and but the area underneath the asteroid. I wanted to add one called. more thing about the Kugel Ball. They're, they're all yeah. this is not just they're all over the place. So they're no, all no, around the world. Fact, you got one down the lake from the, me. Yeah, I have one right a couple towns over in Lansdale. Oh, yeah. They put one in the railroad plaza about 20 years ago. It was a major controversy when they were spending the money on it at the time to, to in the refurb of the, of the plaza. But I, I, I you know, when this, we were prepping for this episode, I'm like, is that still there? Yeah, it's still there. I have to go up and see it at some point, I guess, now and, and pay my respects. But there's like <laughs> Kennedy Space Center has one. There's a couple uh, zoos the, the, that have Tulsa The Zoo. Wikipedia article says both Disneyland and Disney California Adventure have them. So... I, you know, I, I guess there's one in Tomorrowland and Disneyland, hmm. um, you know, and it says California Adventure, but, you know, it's Wikipedia, so it's a 50-50 chance it's correct. Yep. Must have been popular for a while. So, somebody knew somebody in the Kula Ball selling business. Well, they, it was a very, I mean, it is a very unique thing, uh, different than just having a fountain somewhere. Uh, yep. So you can have like a water feature that isn't, that isn't, uh, I mean, there's apparently there's one in the lobby of the Radisson Blue Hotel huh. in Kuwait City. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but the United States, there's like 70, 80 of them yeah. listed here. So check out oh, the wow. Wikipedia That's, article. So, so check out the Wikipedia article on the Kugel Fountain, which we'll link to. And there might be one in a city near you. Right. And the <laughs> send us your apartment. photos of you at the Kugel Balls. <clears throat> yes. Support everybody who sends us a photo will send you a poster. The Disneyland ones are showing at Pixar Pier apparently and also in in tomorrowland as well but uh yeah there there it is in the center there's one at the martin luther king jr memorial in rocky mount north carolina martin luther king always loved kugel balls there's the redding hospital uh in redding pennsylvania actually there's one in temple university in philadelphia too i'm just gonna have to start a whole i want the tour tour. with brian (laughs) yeah once uh, once you knock off all the presidential libraries you have something to visit near you there's one at storyland in glen new hampshire i know where that is it's not not well head out there tomorrow (laughs) saturday let's go (laughs) put the little scamp and the dogs in the car and head out and see see the kugel ball don't touch Uh. it (laughs) yeah it's a germ factor right now (laughs) The, 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 the only one in Florida, Howard, is uh, is the Space Center and Magic Kingdom. So. All right. Dang. That's weird. Huh. Well, let's talk about your Robo News. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because he recently disappeared. Gone. Forever with, within the last year. Um, so uh, he was a uh, sort of a static robot figure. Um, I guess he's supposed to be kind of like a newsie. Sort of like a robot newsy. He had kind mm-hmm. of a jaunty hat on. Yeah, the paper boy hat. The... Yeah, like the paper. Yeah. Although he looks kind of depressed. He looks, his mouth kind of goes in a sad way, which is, I'm not sure what that's all about. But uh, 
he's kind of this very 1930s robot, very reminiscent of Roly Poly Oly, if you saw that show on the Disney Channel. Although he's tall, you know, mostly silver with blue and red. Uh, he's called Robo News, N-E-W-Z. Uh, and it's billed as being up to the minute. Uh, so the idea was supposed to be that, um, and, and he had like a little typewriter mechanism in a in a glass ball in his chest. He looked um, like the typewriter that would roll out there on Sesame Street. There's a little, little sign by it that says printed while you wait. So the, the idea was supposed to be that uh, that as you walked up to it, um, and there is a little motion sensor on there, so he would talk to you, have a little have a little pitch, and then you could look down the glass, and you could see, you know, the newspaper there, and then I guess if that's if you put your money in, that's where you would in theoretically like take the newspaper out, and and they actually went through the bother of of printing a newspaper to go in there, so you could see uh, it was a copy of the Tomorrowland Times. There's a big picture of Saturn. On the front, and it says time traveler arrives day early to Science Center because the Metropolis Science Center was where oh, was uh, right Alien there. Encounter took place. Um, there's also a news about excess tech coming to Earth, so it tied into the land there. Uh, and then it says ringleader captured on Saturn. Wow, 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 wow. So, really, oh, got yeah. it. Wow. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so it, it bears mentioning, I mean, we'll get into it more next month, but. Those references to Alien Encounter, the uh, rocket ship with the alien in it on the Wedway People Mover line, the the mentions of it throughout the land of it being an alien spaceport, they were all tying it back into that one attraction, the marquee attraction, Alien Encounter. Yeah. So it really influenced the whole land and that whole design you know, throughout the land. Now, the other thing I, I want to touch on, a couple things here. With Robo News, this, this was like a, a thing for me. Um, the, the the use of plexiglass and clear clear glass or whatever they used was was prominent in this build. I feel like different places and Robo News. If you look at some of the older pictures, the plexiglass covering the papers just was so sun baked you couldn't see the papers inside. Oh. Like that's how gross it got. And the other thing, which I mean, it took me years to track this down. Not saying I spent years doing it, but you know, just to you know get home and remember to do it. When you walked into New Tomorrowland, the big arching sign that's now white and it's just simple, it used to have all those wires and hoses and different things. I remember it vividly as a kid. It had a very clear globe around the whole thing, except like the outermost part. Yep. Years later, they switched it to more like flat circle pieces of plexiglass because that original globe got so yellowed and gross they realized like either well we can't put another one up there or it's cheaper to do the flat pieces so this plexiglass it's it's evolved over the years i found in the, the land interesting um there were a couple other little pieces of placemaking like robo news which have kind of lived for a while and then would break and then kind of stop being a thing so um one of the things that you may or may not remember is there used to be two kind of like phone booth looking uh, I things these. called the metrophone uh that were placed on opposite sides of rocket tower plaza and at first when it opened they didn't do anything <laughs> really uh and then i think finally the audio started working and the idea was like that, that the two of them were tied together 
when it did finally start working, what it what it was was like a video phone with a closed circuit feed, and then it it ran a little uh, deal where it would kind of like invert the colors. So you would be looking at a person on the other side talking to you, and they were instead of being flesh colored, it's like they were colored green. So it was supposed to be like you were talking to an alien, where they just actually inverted the colors. It and, reminded and those... me of just like an old like I don't know how to describe it, like an old black and white display but not like you know like if i yeah. if i was to show like an old i'm trying to think of a tech device that used to do this you know like it was like oh it has video on it but like you know a computer before video screens type things were yeah, on it the was, computer it was kind of pixelated yeah. i think as as i recall it was just very like greenish browns and uh -huh. and i remember like seeing a bunch of kids on it when i was looking at it one time as a kid like wow hey you know and you waved then you moved on cuz it was everybody right. wanted to yeah. try it just a fun little 2 second thing uh, and, and the other thing, which I don't know if, I mean, if anybody remembers this besides me, I'll be a little shocked because I, this is one of those things that I think was there for a very brief period of time and then went away very quickly. You know those pneumatic uh, things at the banks where you walk up yeah, to... Yeah, the tubes. To, yeah, the mm -hmm. tubes. Well, they basically had one of those that was supposed to be for mailing postcards. And it was this literal elaborate display... And, and they had, like, the actual pneumatic tubes with these postcards in them. And you could walk up and see them. And there were little messages written on them. So uh, on the one, you could see the front, and it has a picture, an illustration of, like, a well, like me. Like a guy in a, in a sun hat leaning on the beach, drinking a, uh, a, a pina colada or something out of a pineapple. And it says, greetings from Earth. And uh, it just says a typical Earthling on it, because I guess this would be for aliens who were who were knocked it, out by the spaceport. Yeah, it's yeah, a spaceport. And then there were other other uh, postcards with things written on them. So let's see. This one says, "Talk about a small universe. They have a dog named Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, here he is in a place called Tomorrowland." That licked all my food, having a wonderful time. Gryox. And then uh, there's another one that says, Dear Gaddy, I have seen Earth's... Oh, I have seen Earth's main moon, but I have yet to see any of their honeymoons. Strange, for as these are apparently numerous on this planet. <laughs> and they have addresses that they're, uh, that they're being sent to, so... Uh, so it was a neat little display, short-lived, but uh, again, part of this whole place-making of trying to make it seem like a very lived-in place. And the other thing that, that uh, I should point out is over by the bathrooms between Mickey's Mart and Netter, uh, you know how there's that little restroom kind of tucked mm -hmm. in the niche there? Yes. Um, they actually put kind of like windows... And, and some some tubes and things in to make it look like there are apartment buildings uh, <laughs> right above that. And look at that. I, I think those might still be there. I'm not sure. Um, but that was very plain, you know, before. And they, let's just add a little. Who I mean, and who wouldn't want to have an apartment over bathroom? I mean, that's... well, it's it's so funny that we look at these pictures and we bring it up in this context, and you think we've walked past it oh, collectively. We've walked past these hundreds of times, and none of us can remember if those windows are still there. Like, yeah. It's just not a thing you'd notice. <laughs> it's, I think that is one of the things. A lot of it was, you know, maybe too subtle. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, there were a lot of things to look at. Uh, 
all throughout there, and it's certainly the, you know, being more kid-focused, like, a lot of times you're just like, I want to go ride Space Mountain. I gotta go, you know, you're not really paying any attention to the the little stuff. Oh, another thing is, like, I have this picture, um, there's, there was this photo op with, like, these Buck Rogers kind of shiny rockets that kids could sit in, kind of over by Space Mountain, and those probably lasted a heartbeat, uh, <laughs> Before the sun, you know, got to him and, and destroyed the fiberglass. But there were, you know, there was a real attempt to, to try to, you know, build this little micro-universe. They had the, um, uh, the Speedway cars sitting there, too. They might still have that. You get your picture taken in those. Yeah. Um, the other one, which was... Uh, the date I have in my notes is 1995, was Push the Talking Trash Can showed up as well. And I've never seen him, but uh, he, he had a big hit on the internet when they were going to remove him everybody was freaking out when yeah. he broke finally you know 20 years later but i i, I don't know anything I, about him i never saw it <laughs> I, well that's the whole thing like I'll, I'll i'll throw it in there i you know it's one of those things where i'll say i don't ever remember seeing push but rob will be like oh we saw him three times here's the day <laughs> like, i i have no i have it's just one of those things that if I saw it, it, it sailed past me. Because there are times I come upon things in the parks, and I'm with one of like my Floridian lifestyle people who are there all the time, and I'm, I'm like, "What is that?" And they're like, "How do you not know what you know Zippy the Spoon Boy is? He's <laughs> he's here." Like, and I'm like, "I well, I don't know. I, it's been coming here so, twenty years. <laughs> yeah, he's he's played in Epcot's Germany Pavilion since 1987. <laughs> I'm sorry, I you know I didn't Zippy catch the, the show. Spoon Boy. I, performing during lunch at uh, retro magic 50 zippy the spoon (laughs) boy he's got (laughs) he plays the spoon yeah those two spoons put together (laughs) with the hand (laughs) of the Yeah, but that that is a thing that happens. Is like you know, there's there's stuff that like those windows. Someone will mess with those. Are my favorite windows. I look at them at every time I'm in the park, and it's just something I never noticed before. Yeah, I can't imagine them going through the bother to remove them at this no. point. So they, you know, the one thing we forgot to mention about with Carousel Progress is they that changing the sign outside once it became Walt Disney's Carousel Progress. Oh yes, and turning it into like the big gear motif. And then uh, repainting the outside with all the, the gears and stuff to. Well, then try the to make uh, the theater was gear themed as well over there. Yeah. Uh, uh, also, we had gotten a message when we announced we were doing this episode earlier this week from Resort Ears Radio on Twitter. Uh, JT, this is in your wheel. Well, they said, "What's the deal with the Goodyear speed ramp at the Tomorrowland Transit Authority? Got to be some historical story. Maybe they don't make any parts any longer to fix it properly, or is it a design issue? I guess he's talking about how it's frequently broken down now. Honestly, I don't know the dates off the top of my head and when they came, but this—I mean—the speed ramp is basically just a rolling conveyor belt. It's nothing fancy. I think the Goodyear sponsorship has has disappeared. I think they're out of that market, just like they got out of Gatorback uh, serpentine belts for cars. They just. They go in and out of, uh, you know, different products. And, I mean, they keep them running because I think they're simple enough, but I'm not sure where Disney stands on making their own parts or sourcing them from somebody else. But as I dug into it, the, the world headquarters here in Akron, they had a uh, they had speed ramps kind of sort of all over the building in the main lobby. And then when they uh, they closed down, they, they got rid of them, and now it's just like 
ramps, so no speed ramps there. So it's it's one of those things I don't I don't think it caught on like it was expected, but I was pretty jealous. My sister who works at Goodyear, she rode a speed ramp to work every day. It's like the future, you know. It's kind of cool. So, and I, and I guess the the metal ones that are used in airports and you know basically escalator material, I, I guess they're sturdier and and hold up well, better. Yeah, and you don't have that that weird. I don't. You wonder. I mean, I love them and I ride them, and you feel those little bumps under your feet, and you're like, oh, that's odd. You wonder if that turned well, people. Those off. are the little rollers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but let me tell you something. You'd come off. Like the 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 Pirates of the Caribbean, and you're like, I have the long day of walking the Magic Kingdom, and that, those rollers are running on your feet. Like, man, this feels yeah. Good. It's like, like the uh, those... I wish there was just like a thirty mile ride of this, <laughs> it's like those... this thing running under my feet. <laughs> like those old barrel foot massagers that were a quarter you yeah. sit on. Them. Yeah, it's. I mean, they they're very cool and, and and kitschy and vintage, and I mean, they I, they seem to be too like for a vertical. Uh, ascent or descent that's that's the way they do it i've never seen an airport one that's metal go uphill but i don't know i don't travel as much to various airports so but yeah that's the speed ramp uh short version i guess i guess the one other thing that we can talk about is part of the redo uh since we had a big discussion about the uh the uh liberty square redo on twitter we had a big discussion about liberty square like removing the cobblestones and replacing it with with uh cement work uh yeah there was a very extensive program done of like decorative uh slurry and and cement work done in tomorrowland at the time where there are big where it used to just be like a very gray flat uh cement all or not cement concrete or slurry all throughout tomorrowland it's like there are now like large gears patterns you know shapes of gears and different things like all around rocket tower plaza and all up the avenue of planets like if it's all survived um which i think it has colored so they did a lot of yeah yeah they did a lot of colored concrete and different materials and stuff to kind of jazz up the ground over in that area too i mean it seems like there wasn't I find something in that land that wasn't touched in this redo. I dare you. I feel like everything had something slightly upgraded at least. Did there was this one spot that they missed? <laughs> there over. it is. Because <laughs> I have I have photos. Has, I was gonna say like, he has a photo yeah, of it there. Yeah, there's this there was this one area over on the as um, so Dream Flight. This would have been before it got turned into Buzz Lightyear. So as as the Dream Flight building comes and then kind of turns. To go into where that uh, that avenue, I'm sorry, the um, Tomorrowland Theater was, they like didn't touch that section at all. There's one they like didn't put the they didn't take down the old uh, sides of the People Mover and put up the steampunk things. They left it. It was there was like a pattern on the wall. They just kind of painted it. They, there was a few things where they just kind of left stuff alone. Well, even I guess in fe- Dreamflight didn't really get touched either. That was th- yeah. The, the, yeah, the exterior that kind of got left. I mean, even you know, nothing as, changed. As it was. You can't really change that ride too much to match. It didn't really fit the motif of a steampunky Tomorrowland. It was right. No, and, and they didn't do anything to it until uh, you know in, until Buzz Lightyear happened. So that just kind of sat. Other than take uh, the sponsor, the sponsor changed. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. When it came, take flight, wasn't it? Take flight. <laughs> so yeah, there there were a couple couple dead spots there that didn't quite get any spiffing up but for the most part they they did you know they really tried hard to uh to do something with tomorrowland and and change it in a significant way from from the old 1970s you know land on the move 
to uh, to something different. So now, now um, I don't know it, what they're doing. <laughs> it's all over the place, right? I mean, is that? It is a thematic mishmash of Stitch and monsters. And the rocks and... turned blue, and then the sign turned old, and then the, <laughs> the, the, the old signs are coming back to the, the it, hanging over. The... It's very confusing right now. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the prevalent thought was that there, there is a program in place to kind of restore the 1970s look. Especially uh, with Tron coming. Yeah, well, and that... So yeah, so, so I, I, we have seen a lot of this kind of placemaking removed over the course of the last year or two. Yeah, they P- cut back that sign outside. Uh, was a Monsters Inc. right? The the big sign. Yep. Uh huh. Big sign extension and 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 they actually put back. I mean, they literally put it back the way that it was before with the old pylons yep. with the yep. seats in it. So. Uh, all painted that is the rocks purple for some reason. Yeah. So all all of that is probably been aborted at this point and who knows it's like with with everything going on it's paused so paused yeah probably a better so there's a chance you know there's a lot of things that are supposedly in play or have been like uh, supposedly carousel progress may get a new fourth act again uh desperately needed you know we may see a shift back to the way that it was before i guess i guess we'll find out in the future Ooh. wouldn't it be great if they're if it became a snapshot of progress through the eighties in that scene, you know, like (laughs) if they did an eighties, like tech mid eighties, you know, and it just became, look, here's, you know, the turn of the century and here's the, 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 you know, the twenties rather, or the forties and then the sixties, you know, just kind of take some snapshots and, and make it a whole attraction of look how far we came in the 20th century rather than, attempting to make it something that you update every now and then yeah just make it old like make it stop at a certain 1985 yeah like that that would be cordless phone have force have four stopping points and 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 just that be it like you know walt loved progress and this was the progress that was made in in the lifetime of his generation you know it's just next month you know we're gonna wrap up uh the overall refurb of Tomorrowland. Uh, but next month we're going to talk about the crown jewel, the centerpiece, alien encounter. Yes. Uh, you'll laugh, you'll scream, you'll hurl. That was the uh, <laughs> that was the the Wayne's World tag. Well, ac- and according uh, according to Birnbaum, you'll be plunged into darkness. I, I, it, it, guests find themselves caught in an experiment going awry during what is sure to be the most frightening thriller of all Magic Kingdom attractions developed in collaboration with George Lucas. (laughs) Literally caught, too. You can't move. No, just beyond the entryway of this future city, guests enter the city's convention center for a demonstration of a new teleportation system from an alien corporation called XS Tech. Company reps have come from their planet to market this new product. (laughs) Product is in quotes. And are anxious to demonstrate it. But an attempt to transport the excess tech chief executive from their planet to Earth fails. And the catastrophic results are a close encounter with a frightening alien creature. The show, which replaces Mission to Mars, breaks new ground with special effects, playing on the audience's own fears and imagination to reach a chaotic, emotional experience. 
So join with me now, won't you? And together we will seize the future with access. And I have a recollection. I think we. I know we spoke about this before. That that uh, I think Rob told me we rode or saw the original version. I because I was there January of '95. I guess is when it opened, and he says we saw the original. So no, I'm, I'm still here to tell the story. So it couldn't have been that scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, if and that goes to the other end. If you know, you know, that's our next episode. We haven't announced our next episode in a while. But if you have any alien encounter stories any uh anecdotes anything you uh artifacts if you have like the old alien yeah we'll we'll take anything or pictures just let us know because uh, that's definitely stuff where we'd love to put on the show here all right well thank you gentlemen for putting that together Uh, a lot of fun to go back to tomorrowland i think one of the uh other items we've got to hit on is some of the media that we've uh, received and kind of give some sneak uh peeks here what's going on um how you, I'm sure you've got some new designs. You've got the, the NBA Polynesian that we showed on our uh, uh, movie night, right? We're going to get that out there. Yep. And I sent you an idea I, for the contemporary one. Oh, I love that. Yeah. The contemporary yeah. man and woman. Um, I'll have to find one for Fort Wilderness to complete the, the original three. So we've got some ideas for some shirts coming out. Um, we have been getting some and have recently acquired some really, really interesting pieces of film. Uh, and I say film because it truly is film. We have to give a big shout out and thank you to the Miles family uh, down in Florida. They were at a local thrift store and stumbled upon nothing less than a 35 millimeter big whopping print of a film titled, hold on to your horses, get ready for this, Disney. <laughs> That's, <laughs> it. That's it. But it opens with a monorail helicopter shot, uh, some sort of, uh, the, the, we only looked at some of the frames. The Earful Tower is in it, um, and it's what? from Valencia, Valencia College. So we're um, I'm in touch with the librarians there to find out what it is, and we're going to get this transferred over. So this will be our first ever 35-millimeter print, uh, which I cannot wait. If you thought 16-millimeter looked good, We just, should hype this wait. and make this a mystery live show, you know, on It YouTube. might be. Well, for, first we have to find out what it is. Yeah, it's it true. could be terrible. Probably. I don't want it to be Al Capone's vault where we, you know. I'm confused though. They were on a 35 millimeter, and then they were doing the earful tower as well. I, bl- I, bl- I am assuming that it was a college project. Uh, you know, maybe even a doctor. So that's like the video era there. You know. If the- yeah, I mean, this is this is this was it's about 30 years old from what we can tell. Um, and as soon as I have some more information from Valencia College, we'll try to fill in the oh, blanks. On it. So, one, of, one of my old alma maters. It might be. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Did you make this film? How? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember doing <laughs> that. We're going to go to all this trouble on That's the nice. live reveal. Oh, wait. It's, it's, it's five minutes of 35 millimeter Tomorrowland bathroom windows. That's right. All this. <laughs> Look what they did up there. Uh, we've also acquired a 16 millimeter film. I'm not going to say anything more than that, but that's coming in. We also have somebody who sent us a copy of The Evening at the Magic Kingdom, which is coming in as well. So we'll get that converted over. So thank you to him for saying that. And. We've had a lot of great videos of uh, how your collection's being drip-fed to our, our YouTube feed. <laughs> um, but there was Smart One, was a computer coaster. We had, um, I believe, some more DVC stuff. Uh, I can't even remember anymore. I, I, Matt puts them out there, and every couple days they're trickling out. So watch our Twitter feeds for that. And Hal surprises me and says, oh, I found another box of VHS cassettes. So there's another... <laughs> 
two-ton oh, box coming just, my wait, way. Let's talk. Let's talk about tonight's episode. How's like oh, I'm getting ready for tonight's episode. He pulls out like a Dagwood sandwich-sized stack of photos. <laughs> you could have sent that to us ahead of time. Just of just of New Tomorrowland that he took, you know, in 1993, 94, 95, and yeah. he's. Flip it through the same. Well, this one's dated 12 94 and then this one is four days later, and you can see they changed the paint here. And they, I mean, yes. So what you? I'm packing these up to send to Todd. And what I did because that was one of my heavy usage times was between nine. I would go to the same spot every two or three weeks or whenever I went and take a picture, so you can literally watch the old Tomorrowland being demolished. And the new Tomorrowland rising up in its ashes from the same location. Uh, this will be the coolest flipbook ever. Yeah, yeah. I actually used this as a, on a presentation for a company one time that was pitching Disney on something because they were in the middle of that. And uh, yeah, I mean, you could literally crossfade between the pictures and you watch the old being replaced by the new, and and plus a ton of other detailed photos, uh, literally of like things torn apart and what you can see what all the pipes look like. That are holding up the wedway because it's literally just pipe and metal <laughs> underneath all that decorative stuff. So Disney, I think your, everyone will. You're set up, and they said, "Man, we don't even have photos this detailed." Yeah, so I think everyone will be fascinated when these get scanned and put on because it's it's a good stack of I don't know two three hundred pictures maybe. Cool. There we go. So it's yeah, big. Be ready. We're looking forward to it. All right. Well, everyone, as always, thank you for listening. Give us a shout out on, on iTunes and uh, wherever your review is and uh, or wherever you re- listen to our podcast from. Appreciate all your uh, comments and corrections and everything you sent in. Uh, questions you've got, send them to podcast at retrowdw.com. And we'll be back next month as we take a little bit deeper dive into Alien Encounter. Get ready to be plunged into darkness. So with that, Brian, take us out. Follow the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society on Twitter and Instagram at LBV History and on the web at lbvhistory.org. Follow Todd McCartney and Retro WDW on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Retro WDW. For all things Retro Disney World, including exclusive merchandise, visit us on the web at retrowdw.com. On Twitter, follow our web designer, Jason Bartell of Deepwater Studios at JasonDWS. Our announcer, Andre Gardner, at Andre Gardner. And follow our hosts, Hal Bowers, on Twitter and Instagram, at GoAwayGreen. And on the web at KingdomOfMemories.com. For JT Couser on Twitter, at LS1JT. On YouTube at Rubber City Motoring. And on the web at RubberCityMotoring.com. And you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Brian P. Miles. Retro Disney World is the monthly podcast of the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society, a nonprofit, nonpartisan, tax exempt 501c3 organization, and is not affiliated in any way with the Walt Disney Corporation or any of its subsidiary or affiliated entities.